if you were just following your digestion and taking in food information correctly, you could eat roadkill off the side of the road and get what you uh-huh. need out of it. So no way. Like, oh. Welcome to The Healing Corner with Emily Tennyson. Here, Emily talks with her guests about how the power of nutrition, detoxification, and tuning into our body's incredible intelligence can help knock us back into physical, emotional, and spiritual alignment. Now, here's your host, Emily Tennyson. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today as we dive into the system of human design, specifically how it flips the script on everything that I thought I knew about nutrition, digestion, and physical and mental health. Now, if you're brand new to human design, it's something that blends the systems of astrology, Kabbalah, and I Ching to form our own energetic blueprints that provide guidance on how we're each designed to live. Now, if this sounds a little bit crazy or a little bit woo-woo, don't worry, you're not alone. It doesn't even matter if you do or don't understand any of that because what I'm astounded by is that the information within our human design charts are practical and actionable starting today. You can pull up your own chart if you'd like to follow along over at myhumandesign.com. You'll want to enter in your birthday, your birth time, and the city in which you were born, and it will pump out a graphic with a whole bunch of information that we'll be referencing. I'm so proud to introduce today's guest, Dr. Lisa Lavoie. I came across Dr. Lavoie when looking through the readers on myhumandesign.com. I absolutely love that she's a naturopathic doctor with extensive nutritional experience and expertise and instantly felt drawn to her calm and confident demeanor. Lisa's been a naturopathic doctor for over 20 years with a focus on the energetic, psychological, and physical elements of returning women to their bodies in order to heal their lives instead of turning elsewhere to find answers outside of themselves. She's a transplanted Canadian living in Maine and a proud dog mom to her special needs dog, Smidgen. Lisa, welcome. Hi, so fun (laughs) to be here. I'm so happy to have you. Let's start by just talking a little bit about how you found human design in the first place. Um, I think I had heard about it on a podcast um, a few years ago, and I sort of, you know, I'm I'm all into woo, and I'll try things on. My main thing is that the woo also has to be helpful in real life. Um, So I had found it and I sort of poked around it. I'm like, this is so complicated. Like I just, I just don't do complicated. It's gotta be simple and useful. So I sort of moved away from it, but then I would just hear little snippets and I would look at my chart and I'd be like, okay, that's so spot on. And that is <laughs> mean like it's too accurate to look away from it. Mm-hmm. So then I took another, um, angle and I just was coming across different readers who had sort of like modernized and updated the concepts of human design so that it was digestible and usable in real life mm-hmm. and then I was able to um, connect to it and start to use it and then it was like this is it's almost really hard to work with a, a patient now and not bring this in because it informs so much about what will and won't work for you yeah in one of your posts that's one of my favorites. You say that a lot of pain and discomfort boils down to having made our bodies wrong at some point mm-hmm. and ending up fighting or abandoning who we really are. Will you please define human design for our listeners um, and talk about some of your favorite things about it? Yeah. So I look at human design. I think the easiest explanation is that human design is a map of your genetics, your energetics, and your mechanics. Mm. So it's a tool, and it's always important that the 
tool is used as a tool, not as a, you don't want to become the tool. You want it to point you um, where you can and should go. So it's a tool that shows you how and why you move most successfully through the world. So we all sort of learned one track of this is how you get success. This is how you get happiness. And it's the five-step morning routine, but your mechanics could be completely different. And so that's going to be like super frustrating to apply somebody else's mechanics to get to where you're going. So it doesn't tell you, it's not um, predictive or prescriptive in that it tells you like, this is who you are and what you what you can and can't do. It more says you can do whatever you want. You just have to use it you just have to do it driving your own vehicle. You have to get there using your own mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of info online about it. Usually they'll say, you know, it's a synthesis of astrology and Kabbalah and quantum physics and all that stuff, um, which I'm like, if you're into that, that's fun, but you don't need to know <laughs> any of that to be able to benefit from it because it's genius is um, the practical navigation. So it allows you to understand how to manage your energy, how to move through the world, how to stop like creating frustration and energy drain. And the really cool thing, because I always had the question, you know, being in practice 20 years for people, it could be that people could have the best information and nothing about their life would change. Mm. Or they could have the best information, but they couldn't get anywhere near applying it. And it was like, and then people beat themselves up for that. So I was always like, what is the difference there? How come some people can have information and not use it and have information and use it to a T and nothing changes. And human design really answers that because it shows you why someone else's information didn't and can't work for you, Mm -hmm. Um, but you weren't wrong. The information was wrong for you. And then it also shows you what will work for you. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. This reminds me of at one point I did a raw vegan detox because a model I was following on Instagram was doing it and she swore by it, you know, and she looked really good. So I thought, cool, I'll try that. But it was honestly the worst experience. I had so much head fog. I was hungry. I was hangry. Um, you know, I had recruited coworkers to do it with me and we were all, most of us were just absolutely mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're saying, like, just strikes such a chord because I remember seeing a post recently that you know, there's a reason that that influencer's diet is not working for you. Right. And it's like, oh my gosh, of course, I'm just maybe not meant to be a raw vegan. Will you talk um, about each of the energy types and how they pertain to nutrition? Yeah. So the energy type in human design, there's the five types on the planet right now. Um, and the energy type is telling you how you're designed to move. So how does your energy system exchange with the energy outside you, whether that's another person, whether that's a job opportunity, whether that's food. Um, So it's how you exchange. And when you're in proper exchange, that's sort of where the, when we talk about flow or alignment, that's how flow and alignment happen. Mm -hmm. So whether it's the job, the relationship, the food, you want to be the first layer of human design is just exchange energy as you. And like I said earlier, you can do anything you want You just need to be doing it with your own energy. And then it becomes effortless because we've also learned like if something's not working, just try harder. Right. Human design shows us that when something's not working, it's not working so that you'll stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try harder. Pivot. It's telling you to pivot. That's not how, because who we are, um, like the energy that we came with in our design is effortless. Like we can't not be ourselves. 
But of course, now we have all these rules and everything on top of us. So we're not, we just have to unload those so that um, who we are is effortless. How we should eat for ourselves should feel like breathing. It should be like a second nature. Like this is just what feeds me. So then if we're going to look at nutrition with regards to energy types, and that's the first layer, you need to be exchanging um, energy with your food in the same way. It's more about, it's less about the what. So our culture is all about the what, what to eat, like macro carb, vegan, paleo calories with human design. And from an energetic perspective, it's about the how, how are you designed to eat? How are you designed to know that you're bringing in the right nutrition? And when you follow the how, the what is the byproduct, the what just figures itself out. So we've got this, um, which is kind of hard to wrap our heads around because right now we're so focused on the what and all of the the protein, carbs, macros, those are all theories that just came in in the 40s. They're very, very young. And, you know, perhaps it, within a couple of decades, we'll understand that they kind of never had anything to do with anything. Because I so interesting. I, I look at the, because um, I stay on top of all the nutrition that's out there. And it's, it's really hilarious to see like, you know, somebody like the medical medium is like, only plants and then somebody like bulletproof dave asprey is like never eat plants and it's, like, <laughs> it's always like somebody else is like don't eat salt drink salt for breakfast and it's like what it's yes. so, so this is the beauty of human design is that you can just let go of all that external stuff so that you can understand um how you do it so the first layer for type um your type and strategy sort of so your type is how your energy functions and your strategy is how you um, sort of the practical tool to that. So for generators, generators are here to create energy by following their body's excitement level. And so their decisions are ruled by their physical gut. That's a physical response, a yes or a no. And so with food generators really want to be eating food that lights them up um, and letting their gut decide versus their brain. So the thing, the biggest thing that'll get generators in trouble with their food is eating things because it's good for you mm -hmm. that you don't actually enjoy. And it's the stuff that you enjoy and sort of lights up your uh, body. That is your body system saying, this is our nutrition and the stuff that you're, the rule that you're putting in, this is good for me, or I should have this. So I would say to, you know, in readings, it'll be, you know, if you go to the fridge and you're like, um, you say, oh, we're going to have uh, a salad with 20 grams of protein today because that's what we should have. And it's like, but you look and you see the olives in the corner and your whole body goes, ah, olives. And it's like, eat the olives. That's a more appropriate meal for you than the, the rules that have been constructed and the shoulds. But generators kind of, that's their biggest conditioning is the should. They live with a whole bunch of should rules. Yeah, I'm a generator and it just makes yeah. me think... Um, <laughs> that I need, just need to stop maybe paying attention so much to the nutrition yeah. rules and what we need to be eating because it just yeah. clouds my judgment. It does. It takes away our own, um, our own discernment. Like we came with knowing what to eat and we've made it so complicated. And for generators, what I'll have them start out doing is make all the, like list all the rules that you feel like are important. Like here's what my brain believes is healthy and important right now. And then list all the foods that you're just like, oh, I could eat it every day. I love it. It excites me. Um, and then see if you can find commonalities between those two lists and focus on those commonalities because it'll be really uncomfortable for your brain to go from, I eat a salad with 20 grams of protein on it to thinking that it's okay to eat olives. That'll be, it's just too big of a step. So like, is there a commonality between what your brain believes and what 
sort of completely lights mm-hmm. your body up. And then the, the other cool thing about human design is as you make a change, anytime you make a change to be more in alignment with your own energy, you're just pulling everything else online. Cause that's another thing that we think of in our culture is that everything's about action. I have to do this. I have to solve this. I have to find the answer. I have to find the program. But every time we make a, a choice, that's because we're just one energy piece. So every time we make a choice that that's in alignment with us, you know, your food choice is pulling your like career choice online. Like you're just in that flow and the flow takes care of a lot of the problems that we can't see a solution for. So it's like, we're not responsible for the how for anything, but just with what you have right now, how could you make a decision that's more in alignment? So if you're looking at the salad and that's like, oh my God, I could gag and that's a should and there's nothing about me that likes that. And then you're looking at the olives and it's like, just for that day, just try it and see how it does because it's pulling everything else online. Uh, And then it'll allow you to move in because your brain's not going to let go immediately. But as you go, that's the other thing about human design is they call it an experiment because you're meant to actually try the technique and see your world changes around you because you do get real world feedback. And I often joke that, you know, I'm a Pisces, which I love, but it doesn't help me live my life. Right. Design helps you live your life today if you want to. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. That's the generators. Um, manifestors, the way their energy works is they're the shot callers. They have, they have, um, no external rules. Like they aren't supposed to be receiving any structure from the outside. It's all coming from, um, the inside. And so for them, there really are no external rules. Like it's just like a blank slate and they need to figure out what works for them and make their own rules to an extent for food. So in a, uh, sort of far-fetched way, a manifester could say, like, if French fries make me feel amazing, I love French fries, they can make that a superfood for themselves. Wow. And then they're going to have to do the whole brain versus energy thing. Is like, my brain is not comfortable saying French fries are a healthy food. Um, but they have to, and it's a, a process of, like, calling the own shots, letting go of the external rules, and letting um, things be completely upside down, if that's wh- what works for their body. But if a manifester was like, I'm going to make French fries a superfood. And every time they eat it, they get a stomach ache. That's, that's not going to how it works. Like, how does it work? And I'm going to make my own rules. And then for them, it's really helpful for everybody. It's really helpful, but for them, it's helpful that their authority, human design authority and their human design digestion is also going to show them like, here's your food world, but it's going to have mm-hmm. probably no resemblance to any nutrition culture out there because they are beyond rules. Interesting. For the most part, <laughs> um, projectors. So their energy has a, um, they have lighter systems in general. And so they do best by, as far as food, not being overloaded, not, not a lot of heaviness, not a lot of quantity. So they might be the ones that do a little bit better grazing or a little bit better. I think projectors often do well with the more, the raw vegan lifestyle or a generator who is generating energy and they need a lot of juice and vitality. Maybe they're not doing well with raw vegan for that reason, but Mm -hmm. generators could also thrive on that. But projectors, it's like light, maybe lower fat, maybe grazing. Um, But not looking at thinking that I need like three big squares um, and things like that. Right. And then the last one is reflectors. And so reflectors are ever changing. They're completely open So anything that puts them in a box or is too regimented will likely be working against them. So having like a plan or a structure, because on the day to day, 
their whole system is changing depending on the environment and the people that they're with and they're lunar beings. So where the moon is, is highly affecting them, but they have very discerning systems because they're completely open. So they have pretty direct intel of what feels good and what doesn't feel good to them food wise, but it's likely going to change. So they just want to really, uh, and they may notice they also have a cyclical pattern because they do go through a cyclical, predictable cyclical, cyclical pattern in a month. And so they may do, they may really want meat at this time of the month. They may really like fasting at this time of the month. And so it's just to trust their system and not try to put a box on top of it Mm -hmm. and know that it's likely going to change and allow that change because their system is really showing them what works and what doesn't kind of on a moment to moment basis. And then um, manifesting generators would fall in the same places. Generators would, where it's got to be the gut, their, their body has to be excited about what they're eating. Oh my gosh. I can imagine this has really changed your naturopathic practice, just working with patients. Do you notice that you have more of certain types than others that come to you? Well, there are ratios on the planet right now. So it's 70% generators, I think about 20% projectors, around 8% manifestors and 1% reflectors. And so it kind of, it kind of falls into that, but I get, um, a lot of generators, a lot of projectors, and I've had an abnormal amount of uh, reflectors because they're like the unicorns, but I've had several of them. <laughs> yeah, they're about there. You said those, those are one percent of the 1%. population, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I um I think it's really interesting what you said about just digestion kind of playing a part in this. Um, so I'd love to shift there and okay. just talk about how it's less about the actual food and what we were eating, you know, and more about the conditions and circumstances in which we eat. Can you talk about the six digestion uh, systems and briefly describe each? Yeah. So digestion comes from the primary health system, which is kind of a system that lives underneath your chart. And so where the, the chart that we can see is about like, how do you, the practical movement of how you move the, through the world, how you exchange your energy and sort of the underneath of the chart is telling you how you support that vehicle. So if energy type strategy and authority is the vehicle that you're driving and how you will drive most successfully through the world, then the digestion and things like that in the primary health system are telling you how you support that vehicle or your differentiation or deconditioning or like um, fueling your mission, I guess. Mm-hmm. So with digestion, it's talking about how you bring in that information because from a human design perspective food is just information it's energy exchange so we're not talking about the contents or the macros or things like that it's like what information serves you and what information interferes with you so when you're using your um, digestive information again you're not concerned with what the what is at this point you're just concerned with am i taking in this information in the way that my body receives it because that's also giving you parameters of, of what fits here and what doesn't fit here. Um, and it also, um, when you take in your nutrition correctly, and the how is correct, that's feeding your brain, it's feeding your cognition, it's feeding your energy um, and making sure you get the info you need and that you don't need. And the, the other thing the, the guy who brought human design here talks about is that if you were just following your digestion and taking in food information correctly you could eat roadkill off the side of the road and get what you uh-uh. need out of it so no he's way like, oh, 
organic, gluten-free. This is all craziness. Like you just need to, if you are taking in your energy properly, your energy system has got you. Like it's already picking foods. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. I don't recommend it, but he's like, the stuff that we've got ourselves tied up in with food, you know, could be so inconsequential. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I'm eating according to my just, my digestion, but it makes me yeah. feel better about not, you know, buying organic produce all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our bodies are so resilient and it's yeah. like, anytime we get into that sort of control structure thing, that's really not how health works. So, so yeah. of the six types, so there's six digestive systems with, and they each have two different opposite expressions and they kind of go, there's kind of an evolution to them so that we have the more ancestral uh, digestive types to the more modern digestive types. Okay. And so the first one is appetite um, and that'll be known as consecutive or alternating. And that means that you're literally, that's the oldest digestive type. So you're meant to take in one food at a time, literally. So, so no mixing. No mixing foods, ideally, but this is also because it, this is the furthest away to how we currently eat with variety and um, all sorts of stimulation, that it's the hardest thing to do. So this would be more like the mono meal when people talk about like mono meal detoxes and things like that. Can you talk uh, about a mono meal? Is that, yeah, I, I don't know anything about a mono meal. Oh, so mono about? meal, some people use it um, to help heal digestion or some people use it as a detox uh, rest for digestion. But it would be like, if you're going to have mangoes, you're going to eat mangoes until you're full and that's your meal. Wow. So mono meal is just one food for your meal. So that's the consecutive or alternating appetite. And it's not about, with this, again, anything with human design, it's about moving into your chart. What's the closest change that you can make? What's the 1% change you could make? Because then that's pulling energy online for you. You don't have to muscle it or willpower it. And if it's hard, it's probably because it's not yours. Got it. So with this, it's like, God, I, like just eating mangoes, that sounds awful. I don't want to do that. If it's not something that you're like, whole heart is in it, or like as a generator, if your gut doesn't jump at that, then that's too far of a movement. So it'd be like, just letting go of the idea that variety is valuable, because for your system, variety is not valuable, it confuses the system. So then it's just looking at like, oh, if I've got this baby spring mix, can I actually just ship that for spinach so that I've just got one kind of green got and it. then it'd be like what's on my plate here that I could I actually don't care about and I could just let it go so that you get your plate simpler and simpler and simpler and then digestion because it's about how you exchange and bring in nourishment from your environment lifestyle like it gives you ideas like on how how where your brain is going to operate the best um and, and that's like, like productivity brain function genius like when when is that going to happen? So for the consecutive or alternating appetite, they're very simple people. It's minimal. They're bringing minimalism to the world. And so if they want to be productive or be in their genius zone, it's going to be like about cutting stuff out so that they can um, have that available to them. And so it just goes across the board. It's one food on your plate, but then also let's, you know, you're bringing the beauty of minimalism with you as well. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So you yeah. mentioned there's consecutive and non-consecutive. Yeah. Would, would non-consecutive be the opposite of that? Or are they, do they both share that quality of just eating one? Consecutive um, means that it's one food at the meal. That's it. Um, ideally, that's what you'd move towards. Alternating means that you could eat one thing. So um, you might have two items at the meal, but you would finish the mango 
and then you would, so you would alternate. Got it. The two foods. There's a little more movement with that one. Got it. Thanks for explaining. Yeah. Um, So then the next one is taste. So you and I are both open taste. And so the taste digestive system is either open or closed. So the main thing with this is that um, you're doing the foods that you love on repeat. So it's about um, autopilot. And wow. so people, again, it's sort of a variety thing. So this idea that we need variety and we need all the rainbows on our plate and all that stuff. It's not true for open or closed taste because what you love, what you would put on autopilot right now and eat it till you're done with it, that's the nutrition you need. So that's how it's telling you this is what you need. And when you're done with it, then you just switch in another autopilot um, and then you'll eat that till you're done with it. Um, and then it is... The variety comes in by season. So you might have like a, you know, in the winter you're doing potatoes as a big carb. And then in the spring you're bringing in, you know, grains or something like that. But it's, again, it's about like what's here that I don't need. Where am I seeking variety when I don't actually need it? What do I love? And how can I just put that on repeat every day? Wow. That was a huge relief to me because I was always trying to like, you know, if I ever signed up for some sort of program for like a food program with a different breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day on it, I was like, how do people do this? It's like <laughs> one or two breakfasts, one or two lunches, and one or two dinners. And then when I'm done with it, I just switch it out. But it's correct for you. So what you do like, what you would autopilot, that's where your nutrition is. And the difference between open and closed is that open, they need to uh, try something to know whether they like it or not. Um, if, it, if something new is introduced and closed means that you already know, you don't have to taste it. So especially for kids, that's helpful mm. to know that, you know, the kid that you should really encourage, like just take one bite, but the closed taste kid will know right off the bat. I don't like that and I don't need to try it. So you don't need to force that on them. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. I, my, so you said that we're both open taste. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could eat this food for life Ezekiel toast for yes. breakfast every morning with like butter. That's all I want to eat. Yeah. I don't want to eat anything else. And my husband is closed taste. And um, I do notice that we eat the same thing over yeah. and over and over during the se- during, you know, each season. Yeah. So it, it yeah. feels like right on. Yeah. So that's where the swap happens. So it's not, again, it's like just let go of variety and let the seasons and, and what you enjoy as autopilot in the season. So it's, it's kind of like that the people who do the capsule wardrobes, it's like you have the capsule <laughs> diet for the season, you get your 12 foods and then you'll change them for 12 different foods. I love it. That's a great analogy. Uh, yeah. It's so relieving. Like it's so easy. Um, okay. So the next one is related to temperature. So it's hot or cold digestion. Um, And so the hot digestion needs warmth. They have a cold system and they need warmth to prime the digestive system and be able to take in the proper energy. So it's just, you want your food's body temperature or above. Um, And that doesn't mean that you can't have cold foods or can't have smoothies or like if there's foods that you love that way, there's always ways to do that. But it's again, looking for the 1%, what do you already do? That's already body temperature above. Um, what do you like now that you wouldn't need mind if it was, you know, brought to room temperature, you know, so like ice or ice cream or things like that right out of the freezer would be kind of the toughest things for these people to digest. Um, 
But if you love that and you just don't want to compromise that, it's like, then just have a hot tea with your, you know, after your ice cream so that you, or before your ice cream, so your system's primed and, and you'll do better with it. And again, it comes to, um, out into your life as well. So these are people who do better in warm environments and don't do so well in colder environments. And they're also bringing warmth with them. So when they go into interactions with people, it's like focus on bringing warmth where you go, being warm, living in a warm place. So like literally living in a hot place and eating hot food which doesn't sound very intuitive, but it must work. (laughs) Yeah. And most people, like you said at the beginning, it's like a permission to be who you are. So most people, when I tell them about their digestion, they've always wanted to eat. And then they put rules on, on top of that. And Mm. so oftentimes it's people that like, you know, if you're a uh, hot digestion and you got into the raw vegan world and then you're eating everything cold, and that could be a reason why like you feel, horrible and cold all the time. So it's just trusting your body. And then the opposite expression to that is the cold digestion. So that means your system runs hot and you need cooling foods to go through it, to balance it and get the proper nutrition. And you're not going to probably do well with excess warmth. So hot places to live or saunas might not be a treatment of choice for you. And again, it's not um, kind of the two responses when somebody hears their human design info is like, oh, that's not me at all. I'm completely opposite. I love saunas. And I'm like, cool, because we can have the thing with human design is we become conditioned and the places where we are super conditioned is often places that we fight to hold on to. It's like, this is who I am. I know this is who I am. It's like, cool. So let's try, you know, maybe cutting out the saunas and maybe going for more, more cool things and see what that actually looks like and create right. your own evidence. So like an like, experiment, like you were saying, yeah, just experiment with listen it. Listen to me and don't fight the information. Try it if it doesn't change your life. And it's quite quickly that you would see whether it does or doesn't, especially with digestion, because it's freeing up brain power. It's freeing up physical energy. Um, so you notice quite immediately when you, when, you, when you do make that shift. So these are people that need foods below body temperature. So room temperature or colder. And again, it's like, but I love hot meals and I love spicy food. And it's like, well, sure, have those things, but go to lean on what do you already do. That's like, there's sandwiches and there's, you know, room temperature fruit and all that stuff. And then work on, you know, if you like really spicy food, balance it with ice water or something so that your digestion is um, on track. Love it. Um, and then the next one is about the, um, uh, sort of the stimulation in the environment. So you can have, um, I think, I don't know what the traditional words are. I use Jenna Zoe's words. So she calls it calm or buzzing digestion. And so that means that, so the calm digestion needs to be in a calm environment in order to digest their food. So again, it's like, maybe you can sit there and eat French fries in a calm environment and you're getting what you need out of it and you're not getting anything you don't need out of it when your digestion is working and you're exchanging the energy properly. And maybe you're eating a kale smoothie in a chaotic environment and you're getting nothing out of that because your digestion is shut down. So it's, it's about just being in the right uh, experience for digestion. So calm needs a calm environment around them. So if they were to go to big parties or, you know, chaotic restaurants or there's fights at the dinner table or things like that. It's just best to, you know, kind of put the eating on pause 
and you wait till the kerfuffle goes and then, you know, have your meal or sit at the other end of the table or just go to a quiet place at the party and, you know, find as much calm as you can so that you get what you need out of your nutrition. The, uh, the buzz, or the, I think that uh, traditionally it's called nervous, which is just not a nice word for digestion. So it's buzz. So it means that your system needs to be revved up by your environment um, in order to work. So it's like you want chaos and music and talking and people moving and laughing. And these people also do really well with, which is like completely anti, you know, mindful eating, healthy eating is like eating, standing up, eating on the go, eating in the car when there's a stimulating <laughs> environment around you. And I actually had a mentorship client who did this and it was like life-changing. Really? It had always been made to feel bad. Like she lived a lifestyle where she was always on the go and was grabbing and, you know, all of her nutritionists would say, you know, you got to find a calm place where you can eat and stop. And it's like, it wasn't doing her any favors. And so she needed to, so these are people who like standing up, cooking, having little hors d'oeuvres while you're cooking so that there's like lots of motion and stimulation um, in your environment around your food. It doesn't, mean, yeah. it doesn't mean that you need to be nervous or buzzing. It's like you need external stimulation. Um, and then the next one is about sound. So it's loud or quiet um, digestion. And so the quiet digestion means you need to eat in silence to properly digest your information. And um, then the loud means you need loudness, you need music, you need voices, you need um, loud restaurants and less about different than the, the buzz one where you need sort of commotion and stimulation. It's just like you need noise. And so the people with quiet digestion, it's like, what meals do you already eat alone where you're already in silence? If you eat in a lunchroom or if you eat in a restaurant, bring earplugs with you and just put those in because it's the noise that is um, shutting down your digestion. This is my son. My son is a low sound or um, I forget the proper term, but uh, which is fascinating because he is a, a generator mm -hmm. and he has all four motors defined. So he has like a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. And I, as soon as I learned that he was low sound, I started just feeding him first at the table. So he would sit by himself in silence. And it's amazing how he just really took to that. It was great. And human design was originally intended for parenting. That's what it was for. So that oh, wow. people could be raised as themselves. Oh my gosh. It's such an amazing tool. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love learning about it right now with you. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's great. Um, and the other things that people who need silence is like, where do you already eat in silence? And they could even, you know, if it's a family situation, it's even if it's normally um, meals are quite boisterous, it's like setting some ambience that just you know, turns everything down a bit. So if you've got some can't low lighting and you've got a little bit of music in the background, that's likely going to bring the voices and the commotion down so that you mm. just get closer to that. And then earplugs and, and it doesn't mean, um, cause then you can have other forms of stimulation. So he might at some point, you know, maybe really like reading while he's eating that's silent or mm -hmm. watching TV with captions or something like people would say that interferes with your tradition. Shouldn't, shouldn't watch TV while you're eating, but it doesn't really matter. So it'd be anything that doesn't require noise. He could, he could do while he's eating. Got it. And then the noisy surroundings is like, you just want it. You want to turn on music. You want to have boisterous conversation. You want to have like a high noise environment to stimulate your digestion, get you what you want. 
And then the last one, the most modern one is about light. And so it's direct or indirect light. And this one I find most fascinating because I think there's so much conditioning here. So, and a lot of people are indirect light, which means that most of their calories should be consumed in um, traditionally as the sun goes down. So during the daytime, mm-hmm. digestion is, is not active. And we've been taught, you know, breakfast is the most important part of the day and get all your calories in, you know, most of your calories by noon and productivity, like get up and kill it and hustle. But these people are, are built as the sort of, for all purposes, the night owl, their brain works better in um, towards the end of the day as the sun is falling. That's when their productivity, that's when their digestion works. So then it becomes about, um, just trying to experiment with like, and a lot of these people don't like breakfast, but they've been forced to eat breakfast because that's the most important meal of the day. And so just having the permission is like, oh, if I don't have to eat breakfast, I'm like, yeah, it's actually more correct for you to not, if you're not hungry. So follow your own cues versus the time of the day. But most of these people would will um, eat lighter during the day. And the biggest um, meal of the day would be dinner. So it's just trying that flip and allowing that to happen. And also for productivity, I have a lot of these people who do try to get up and like capture the day. And it's like, actually the first part of the day is when it's kind of slower prep self-care sort of stuff so that you're ready, you know, in the lower light, uh, as the light's falling, that's when your productivity is going to be. And then you can also create low light environments. So you just don't want to have the main thing with this digestion type is that, um, sunlight into the eyes. So stimulation coming in through the eyes and the nervous system is what shuts the digestive system and brain power down. So it's like wearing sunglasses if you're on a patio eating in bright light. So you can still eat in the middle of the day, but you'll just want to have your eyes. um, And these are the people who wouldn't want to watch TV. They don't want light stimulation in their eyes while they're trying to eat. So there's different ways. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the direct light, these are the people who their digestive system works best in, um, you know, noon, the high parts of the, where the day is lightest, that's when they're most productive. And they would sort of eating at night would be um, against their design. And then you'd want to look at like, did you learn to flip your schedule um, at some point? Often for people, it's like going back to before you learned how to eat from other people, what did you do on your own? And it is usually their digestion type. Interesting. Yeah. And then you want big light environments. So if you're in like a dim library or lunchroom, you want to bring light in. You want to eat by a window. You want to eat outside. That's what's, that's what's nourishing you, not your kale smoothie. Right. <laughs> so if you and I are open taste, yep. it sounds like it doesn't matter then what or where or how much light I have when I'm eating. So long as I'm eating something that's kind of lighting me up and I know that I like, is that correct? Or can people have more than one digestion um, affinity? Um, No, you wouldn't have more than one digestion affinity, but there will be, and we can talk about this at the end, there will be different layers coming in to inform. um, Got it nutrition thing but yeah it's it's the generator first and then the digestion and you don't have to worry about the different stimulations low variety got it got it okay what's your what's your go-to food right now in the winter there in maine um apple crisp for breakfast um pesto and broccoli and 
rice pasta for dinner. Um, and I kind of like two, two meals. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've recently started changing my diet a little bit to just be calmer. You know, I've noticed, especially over the last year, um, that I really struggle sometimes with anxiety and depression. For instance, I quit drinking alcohol almost 18 months ago mm-hmm. and I stopped drinking coffee and all caffeine as of last month. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, it is wild to see and notice my nervous system completely like just decompressing, you know, and calming down. I know you've said before that with mental health, that mental illness is the medicine. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit? Well, it's, uh, I think mental illness is, we have to always sort of look at um, whatever's showing up in the body, mental or physical, is the correct response to what the body is experiencing. It's just like a cause and effect. So, um, and anxiety is often, it, it can depend on your chart because we can, in your open centers, you're bringing in other people's information. So sometimes if you are living with other people who have the fear center defined or emotional, then you're receiving that information and that can be experienced as um, anxiety and it's actually not yours. You just have to be aware of where you're open and where this might actually be other people's information and it's not me. Um, And the other thing for anxiety is it's the bigger the gap between who you actually are and who you're being required to be right now, that gap creates such a dissonance in the nervous system that, um, that it's experienced as anxiety because I, I can't be who I am right now. And that's, that creates so much noise in the system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you notice with your clients being a naturopathic doctor that it, that diet can really help their <laughs> nervous system or their mental health, um, in conjunction with other, you know, changes in their life? Yeah, I would say the journey I've had with food to this point is because we sort of live in a culture where, so I I always look at the body and the brain, they're correct in some way. So cause and effect and the body specifically makes what's invisible, visible. So whether that's coming from the emotions, whether that's coming from a microbe, whether that's coming from not saying your truth, whatever, the body is making that visible through what it's going through um, and to trust that. And then we're in a culture that likes to try to fix everything with food. And if we looked at the, the puzzle of, or the influence on your whole field and being and pathway, you know, food might be 5% of it. <laughs> and we're trying to like micromanage our entire life with our food choices, which are important because, you know, food becomes us. But I think the way that we um, think about and categorize and the ways that we learn to choose foods and what's healthy and what's not healthy, I think a lot of that is misinformed. And so we've got a lot of well-intentioned people, bad information or using information that's not there. So I think it plays a part, but I think especially in the shift that we're going through, because for me, when I started practicing 20 years ago, I could adjust somebody's diet give them a homeopathic remedy and maybe some hydrotherapy 
and the craziest conditions like I would have. My first patient was a brain tumor. I had people like covered head to toe and like psoriatic arthritis. I had crippled people. We would do that and they would heal. Mm. Like, everything would go away. And 15 years in, none of that even touched what was happening. So I think we live in a different world. A, we are more toxic. We are more deficient. But I think the evolution of healing is requiring, we can't carry stuff in our field anymore. And so we're being forced to, you know, micromanaging with your food will only get you so far, but now you actually have to, you have to address this thing and you have to address why you're not being you and why, and and all those sorts of things. Yeah. I'd love for you to talk more about that and, and what you mean by we can't hold things in our field anymore. Um, I mean, that's where, if we think of everything as energy first, um, and so we've got our, I often think for that analogy, and it's very literal, like at this point, science is catching up to spirituality. Um, but if you think of, I think they've done studies with like, what's the, is it a salamander that will regrow its tail? And so if they take a salamander, so. so there'll be an aura, everything has an aura, And we often think of the aura as emanating from us, but the aura, which is our energy body, is what is creating the physical body. So the physical body, it's not separate from that. It's just what we see. It's the visible part of our spectrum. So like if you take a salamander and you do the, um, where you can see the electromagnetic field around it, and if you cut off its tail, the electromagnetic field is still there. The pattern of the tail, even if it, the physical tail is gone, and then another tail grows into that space. And so we have this energy field that is generating us. It's generating the physical body. So, but then we have emotions or energy, um, and that's sort of um, I think that's uh, how those two worlds meet is our energy world. Mm-hmm. So energy we can't our emotions we can't see it but that's sort of how the invisible field starts to affect the physical bodies we've got um, emotions which are chemicals which are hitting receptors so it becomes physical so we have our emotional world and how sort of honest or true that is how we've had to repress it um whether we think it's okay to have our emotions We have our thought world, which a lot of it is conditioned. So we've got all these rules and conversations running around in our head. And all of those things um, are influencing this field, which is what is generating the physical body. And it's also generating our, what we will believe in, what actions we will take for ourselves. So oftentimes it's like, if you've got a lot of heavy emotions or undealt there's a lot of um, heaviness or you've got thought patterns that you learned at some point and they're sort of running the show. Those are things that, cause then we look at the behavior. Like if you don't like the behavior you have with food, say like I'm an emotional eater or I'm a binge eater or something like that. Binge eating is just the natural consequence. It's like, um, uh, it's the correctness of that whole situation. And so you have to go back to what, what is, generating that and when you um go back to what's generating it whether that's in the thoughts whether that's in a a learned behavior whether that's in a protection mechanism that you learned at some point when you understand what that is and why Mm -hmm. necessary right now um 
why it's correct, then you adjust the stuff that needs adjusting. The binge eating doesn't need adjusting. It'll just go away. Once you correct whatever's in front of that. Yeah. Okay. So I would say for my own journey, um, I think the idea, because I had an idea very, very young of like the ideal health. And I think we have currently in our wellness culture, we have this idea of uh, perfection or how it's supposed to be done or how it's supposed to look or even what illness means. And so I would say that um, a lot of those things are still a work in progress for me, but the biggest teaching and the biggest changes in that happened when I stopped looking for an external fix and thinking that somebody else was more intelligent um, about my body than I was. And even though I was in the field of naturopathic medicine, which has that as a general belief, it's still kind of a human thing to be like, something's not working, who has my answer? And we go out and do that, which just creates a lot of rabbit holes and a lot of um, headaches. And so uh, when I stopped looking for the external fix, when I started believing that my body is right. So like if you have pain and interesting, um, you know, understanding the difference between, you know, natural medicine and conventional medicine is one of the things naturopathic medicine understands that what the body is doing, there's a correctness to it versus a brokenness that needs to be fixed. And so we're just to understand what's the correctness. So like the binge eating disorder, it's like, what's the correctness in that? And for a lot of women, it's because they've been restricting food in general or carbs too much. And it's just their body trying to save them and mm. trying to like course correct. And if you just get your food up, kind of the first step for that is like, this is correct. Your body is just trying to recoup the stuff that it's not getting. You're not a willpower weakling and you're not, you know, maybe it's not even a disorder. It's the correct response to that. You're not eating enough. And when you just provide your body with the stuff that it's been missing, a lot of that goes away. And you're like, oh, I'm not even a binge eater or an emotional eater. Like I'm just, I wasn't getting enough food. And then you can go to, so what were the sort of more emotional, mental, spiritual things that sort of got you hooked into thinking like a certain way about your body and got you into that conversation with food. So with starting to believe my body is right. Mm-hmm. And the other part of um, believing my body is right is understanding that if something doesn't work for me, it's it not me. I wasn't doing it wrong. I don't need to try harder. Um, And then the other really big key piece is finding health because the, one of the most expansive definitions of health is that it provides its flexibility and adaptability. But a lot of our wellness models have us like clenching onto like control and restriction to try to eke out some sort of a little more energy or a little less weight or something. And that's the, opposite of health is if you if your whole lifestyle and how you were trying to achieve something takes up your whole bandwidth it's that's that's not healthy even if you're eating very healthy and so it's learning that health doesn't come through restriction and control health comes through nourishment on all levels and so it's like are you getting the proper physical nourishment is the best place to start and then are you getting the proper emotional nourishment do you even know how emotions work do you know what to do with emotions Mm -hmm. do you have the proper mental nourishment are you having a bunch of mental junk in your head like so then all those things matter but it's like the 
the focus and the angle that you come at it from is really important. Yeah. I remember after my raw vegan detox, I did, I did try being vegan for almost three months. So I was eating, you know, other things besides just raw food, but I remember it took so much energy through my day. I couldn't do it because all I was thinking about was where my next meal was coming from, where, what I was going to eat. Could I socialize with my friends and like, what snack would I bring? And I don't know if I'm saying the term correctly, but I want to say it's orthexia. Orthorexia. Yeah, there, there it is. Orthorexia. Um, where you're just obsessed with how clean you're eating and that's all you can think about. And it was just debilitating. I remember reading that and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to change my diet. I can't do this anymore because it's controlling my life. Yeah. And I think on the, if we look at that from the bigger perspective is that, especially if we look at orthorexia, if we look at um, people who have ended up spending a lot of energy on their wellness, their whole day is, spent, you know, researching, dieting, planning, failing, doing something different. If that's the story, we have to look at that the intention is good. And especially for people who have been really sick for a long time, like I was, is you can look at that on a practical level, especially for my food journey, is at the beginning, I was only trying to make myself feel better. Mm. And in there, getting bad information and then trying to control more and more, like, again, trying to control your whole life with, with what you're eating. Um, but then when I, so it doesn't make it wrong. Like a lot of people, so if we talk about orthorexia, a lot of people have gotten to that um, label because they had no choice. Like they had to keep eating more careful and more careful just to sort of feel a little bit normal in their day. And so again, it's like the orthorexia is the um, the correct response. Like I'm trying to find some relief and, and now I've gotten myself here and now, but oftentimes that's one way that's kind of feedback from your life is like, if you're using control and restriction to trying to get your health, your life is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and that's your feedback that, oh, you're, you're not gaining flexibility here. You're, you're, <laughs> right. you're flexibility, which happens so much with, different diets. And then you can feel so amazing when you first start it and it might have a, like a therapeutic healing effect. And so we just do it more and longer. And it's like, you, you were meant to do that for maybe two months and then exactly. go back to something, but then now you've swung with human design. It's like, we just, we can step out of that entire conversation. Mm-hmm. And I remember probably five years ago, I was at an entrepreneur event at a hotel and it was all of these very powerful entrepreneur women and throughout the day they were sharing stories of what they did with their business and what they did for people and their skills and it was like they were all world changers and we sat down for lunch and it was like oh my god like they're everybody was one-upping themselves for how restricted they were eating some had to bring their lunch somebody was eating like quinoa and she couldn't put anything with it but they were like the whole conversation of these brilliant women was about food and restriction and weight. And I was like, we have better things to be talking about. Like we just need to get over this conversation because it's not this important in our lives, but we've become consumed by it. Did so you just, like have, yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to ask, did you just stand up on the table and kind of stop everybody and launch I into a little, I was, just, I was just sitting there baffled. It's like, this is really interesting. And, and 
And I think that's where another practical benefit of human design, because a lot of this work when we're talking about wellness and healing on emotional levels and mental levels and disordered eating and not understanding our relationship with food. I mean, that can be years of work to understand sort of that sort of thing. But when you have a few of your practical human design tools, like if you, I think the super cool thing about strategy, it, you can use that starting today. You didn't need to know about a past life or you don't need to know about childhood trauma. You don't have to have new coping mechanisms. If you start to move as yourself and make decisions as yourself, your life starts to align from here forward. So it gets around all of that conditioning without needing to like roll around in it. And then digestion is you can start to try that on and that starts a whole new energetic relationship with food that gets out of this old conversation that probably has zero basis in fact, but it has um, consumed us and trapped us and then created its own problems when we were just only looking for solutions. You mentioned that you... um we're talking about the fact that I was a generator and that there might be some clues as to maybe why the raw vegan detox wasn't really working for me. Okay. Would you be willing to kind of talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So let's look at that. So like when we look at, I think another thing to know about human design is that there, if you do know your type and strategy, um, cause they say there's like 20 hours of information about you in a human design chart. Whoa. Um, But if you just know your type and your strategy, so you start to move and make decisions as yourself, most of that's going to unfold because you're just moving back online to to the life that you planned for yourself. The deconditioning is going to happen. Anything that needs to be healed will come up just knowing that. But also, when you look at a, a human design reading, you're looking at, because the generator only tells you how you exchange energy. It's your mechanics. So it tells you nothing about your job, your career path, your personality. And there's no two generators that are alike. And so you're pulling in all the different layers of your chart, because there'll be some parts of your chart, like you're a sacral generator, which means your decisions, your clarity is in the moment. Mm-hmm. But say, and I think you're single definition too. I am. Um, yeah. Which means you go fast. You're just one energy system and you go fast, but you could have a generator with sacral authority that has, um, like a triple split definition, which means that just energy processes a little bit differently, slower in your system. So they would make gut decisions a little bit slower. So it's understanding like, how does it all fit together to make you uh, a a unique being? So if we look at all the layers for you, pulling it together for the food piece Mm -hmm. is that we would understand. So a really cool thing about your um, chart just to go kind of from the top. So you're a six, two as a profile profile is a lot more to do with our personality, our life path, who we're here to be, how we're going to do it. And so the six, two is here to be the living example of, of what has become important to you, but your first 30 years of life are you learn by trial and error and falling on your face and doing a lot of things that don't work. That's how (laughs) the sixes learn and for like a six kid, we would tell them, we'd put a helmet on them and say, go out, make as many mistakes as you can and come back and tell us everything you learned. Because that's a special type of wisdom to have been there, done that. I know it doesn't work like that, but we value success. So then sixes and threes can feel like I'm failing because I'm always falling on my face. But 
you came here like to trial and error experience and then become the role model of what you learned in that trial and error stuff. It does take some patience because you move into the role modelness of your life, but it's really focused on being that. You don't need to tell anybody anything. You don't need to micromanage anything. You don't need to point out anything. It's like you build the life that shows other people what you've learned is important. Um, and then, so it can be like if, and you'd also have, you only have two channels in your chart, which usually means like horse blinders. Here's wow. our that we're focused on this time. Okay. And you have the 4629 channel, which is the vital embodiment channel. And so this whole journey and your 46 is also in your sun, which is the, the top left. And that's about 80% of what you came here to do is, is in that energy, <laughs> which is vital embodiment. It's like experiencing the pure joy of living through a physical vehicle. Like it's wow. very sensual. It's very um, like, I want to like, look what my body can do. So like when you're doing exercise, it's about like, you know, having that sensation of like, wee, like look at what I'm doing. Like, I, this is what my body can do. Look at how this food tastes. Like, this is amazing. And it's like delight and playfulness and fun and all of the, and just getting a physical body and being completely delighted by the physicalness of it. And all of the sort of the stuff that we came with in our human design chart has some of them are curriculum. And so we came here to grow into it or learn that. So often I have the same channel um, that's also high up in importance for me. And so often we have a pretty difficult journey with our physical vehicle. And so we're learning to enjoy it. We're learning to enjoy our food. We're learning to not take things so seriously we're learning to really sink in and like enjoy life on the physical plane versus this control control restriction. So that's um, really big for you in anything you do is to come at it through how much like five cents delight can I get from this as far as like taste, smells, how you move your body, what clothes you wear. Like you came here to just be like, you know, an alien who's like, oh my God, I've got a body now. <laughs> Let me try everything. Oh my gosh. You know what? That resonates for me. I feel as though I'm not really doing a lot of the things that it seems like I have the potential mm-hmm. to be embodying. Yeah. You just mentioned that you have the same channel. Can you yeah. give some examples of how this has transformed your life, assuming you're living by some of it? Um, well, A, knowing that it was part of my journey. So it's like, even when you feel like completely lost with your body, like you're right in the middle of your mission. So that's okay. kind of like a reframe of like, okay, I'm not failing. I'm actually doing this. I'm learning everything about living in this physical body. Because when we look at stuff right now in the wellness world, it's all about being galactic. So you can feel, it can feel like a bummer. It's like, oh, I'm just physical. It's like, oh my like, gosh, it's so abstract. It's annoying. Yeah. But Absolutely. with this channel, especially you became here to be as human as possible. And the other side of it was really, again, coming from, you know, using exercise based on how many calories did it burn? What is this? What kind of body does it get me versus do I feel alive when I do it? How alive can I feel in my physical? So changing the sort of uh, how I would, how and why I was choosing things, which goes along with the generator life of like living by physical excitement, but there's like an extra emphasis on it. And there can be often in this curriculum with this channel is that there will be at some point where 
you learned or an event happened that disconnected you from your physical body. So there could be chronic illness or chronic digestion or not being able to enjoy food, but everything in our chart that, because there's no struggle in a human design chart, there's only learning. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, if that's what you're presented with, you're here into growing into, um, which I think is why I had to grow past a lot of the, the, the current wellness stuff, like the, the restriction stuff and the, doing less and the health through fasting. It's like health through the more enjoyment that you're getting out of your body. The, um, that's your, your, my main navigation at this point is like how I choose things. So if something makes me feel drained or if something makes me feel like, I have to do another leg lift here. It's like, it's just like, no, <laughs> drop it. That's what human design is like, as soon as you can see, oh, okay, yeah, I can, I can tell that I'm out of my energy and this is not for me. A lot of times we learn like, just finish it anyways, just do it anyways. Just, you know, push through. Yeah. Just push through. And it's like, it just gives you the permission. It's like, yeah, this is not full body enjoyment. I'm, I'm out of here. So there's a lot of less wasted time. There's a lot of more like uh, focusing on how can I get the most enjoyment out of my body today versus how annoying my body might be today. And like, what can you give? So Right. But there is that sort of arc with this channel, but there, but when that's in your son, it's really about that will probably be, I mean, so it's, it sounds like you're right in the right space because you want to teach people about their bodies and the nourishment of it. And that is right in the middle of your life path. Oh, interesting. For, for human design sort of thing. Okay. And it can come out many ways, like a lot of people with this channel they could be like dancers or they could be people who just get like enjoyment from moving and helping other people move or enjoyment from food and helping other people do that. But it's, it's all about enjoyment and play with the physicalness of you. That's interesting. I will say I didn't, I haven't really had an experience with chronic illness or digestive issues. I've always just been interested in food and eating and observing how I feel, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm about, I'm five ten. if I'm standing up straight. And when I was little, I felt so proud of being tall. You know, I was a tall girl in my class, whatever. Uh, and I always liked that, but I also have, was always just feeling very awkward when it came to like playing sports and moving my body because, you know, the mechanics of just having long limbs, you know, and, um, in a small person's body. I mean, I think I was five, three at eight years old. I was really tall. Yeah. And so playing soccer, not in the books for me. Dancing was fun, but it was also just, you know, my parents, uh, <laughs> I'm sure were always laughing at just, you know, pretty gangly girl. So I noticed that I've had this veil of, oh, you're you're not meant to do these things that are always kind of perceived as being awkward. And so I wonder if that's part of my path is just maybe getting back into yoga and, and dance. Um, well, it would be getting through that. To what makes your tall body squeal? Right. Right. It's, like, it's not fitting your body into the dance. It's like, maybe it's loves, like it's perfect for skiing down a hill or, you know, what, what's the fit? What makes your body squeal? That's a way better reframe. I like that instead of yeah. trying to fit myself into a mold. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. And, and, very, and especially as a generator with this channel, it's um, it really needs exercise really needs to be about what makes your physical body feel alive versus, uh, and then you have to deal with any brain conversations around 
how many calories need to be burned. This isn't enough. This isn't challenging enough. This doesn't do this thing because what makes your body feel alive will get you to the body that feels the best for you versus trying to choose it based on another agenda. That will mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So that's important. And then, so then if we look at nutrition, um, so again, that's going to come into play in that nutrition needs to be a sensual experience for you that you enjoy from that generator angle. You also have, when you look at the chart, um, there's the arrows uh, that are sort of above the body graph part. And so your first, your top left one goes to the left, which means that you have a very active brain. Your brain uses a lot of calories. So you're not somebody who's going to do well with um, fasting or push, sort of pushing past hunger. You need to constantly feed your brain <laughs> and your system. So like a low cal, this is one of the reasons why, you know, raw vegan might not have been sensual enough for you. It might not have been enjoyable enough. Your gut probably didn't say yes to it. And it might not have been enough calories to sustain um, your brain. And, uh, and it's not that, that left um, brain people can, not left brain in the traditional sense, but it's a left arrow. It just means you have a very active brain. It uses most of your calories and it's not that you can't fast, but you need to really listen to like, if you're hungry, you don't push past that because that's not a win for you. That's actually depleting who you are if you try to push yourself past hunger. So you need um, a highly nourished brain. That feels so accurate. Yeah. And then as a generator, your gut needs to be choosing your foods. And then you have that open taste, which means that it's just what you love on repeat until you're done with it. And then you'll switch it out for something else that you love, mostly based on season. But I find myself like it might be two or three weeks stints where I've got stuff on autopilot and it's just like, oh, I just can't eat that. And then I put something else on autopilot and then it still comes back in. So you kind of have, but you have a small repertoire and that's all you need. And then your uh, sense from a human design uh, perspective is outer vision. So sense in human design is talking about what's your best antenna? How do you uh, pick up information in your environment? And outer vision means in general, your environment needs to be beautiful. You need to have aesthetic beauty around you. That's important. You also bring that with you into anything. So you'd be the person, you you know, even if you were... CEO and a marketing team. It's like you're bringing beauty where, wherever you go, but also when you pick your foods or your plate, rather than like, you know, slicing open a mango and eating it, you want to plate that in a way that looks beautiful to you. So there's, there's a, and that's part of your nutrition because how mm. things look is one of the ways your system is saying that's for us. So this, the food that looks beautiful to you is more important nutrition wise than how many calories or whether it's vegan or whether it's alkaline or acid. It's like your vision is your uh, info antenna. It's like that food has what I need in it because it's beautiful to me. Interesting. Um, And same as environment. So it's important that, and if a place is like ugly to you or like it's very distasteful, you that's important information about your environment. That's not your environment, like permission to pivot. You're not supposed to put up with something that's, drab and draining on a visual perspective. Oh, I love that. It's, that feels also so accurate. Like I, I think, um, even when my environment or my, you know, my son who's three is in disarray, you know, if it's completely disorganized, I need to put things away so they look nice. And I really used to think this was a control thing, but 
I'm, I also just think it's just so calming and I just feel so good when stuff is, you know, put away and it's not chaotic. It just feels, it feels good to me. Yeah. Um, just looking at something else in your chart. Yeah. So those are the main, uh, things that you would pull together to start to layer and move into a nutrition program. And notice we haven't mentioned any food, you know, it's about yeah. the relationship to the food, all of that other stuff that we're concerned of takes care of itself, <clears throat> but it's layering in the gut chooses, not the brain. There's no sh- moving away from the shoulds. And because it's good for you moving into the sensual experience of that 4629 channel, the autopilot, like those are all the elements that you bring in. And that is how you will get to the place where like food is effortless. Food is like breathing. It's just like secondary. And there's no trying and you like brain feels good. Energy feels good. Productivity is on fire. Like all of those things come online when you're nourished properly and you're no longer spending bandwidth on either trying to find something or trying to maintain it in like a, a grasp. It takes so much energy for me to apply this program that's for so many women it's taking so much life force from us because we're using so much energy to figure food out oh my gosh it's like releasing a pressure valve just talking to you about it because sometimes I do feel guilty if I don't have protein at every meal you know which my husband loves he loves having meat at every meal and finally I you know just had to be like I can't eat I can't eat this. I just need, you know, beans and rice or whatever. So it's so, yeah. What a relief. Talk to us about how you serve your clients. What, what do you offer them? Um, well, right now I do some private readings. So just for the human design side of things. So I do, um, introductory readings and then I do a more in-depth, which I like people to do, um, initially so that you understand the mechanics and you can start to live as yourself and you can start to do the experiment and see what works and what doesn't make sense. Um, and then I also do deeper life work readings where we can look more at like, what is your curriculum? What are the challenges you came with? How do you get out of those? What are the patterns that you run in? Um, but that is, it's hard to make sense of that if you don't know how to drive your vehicle. So a lot of people, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that happens with human design is it's so interesting and so fascinating. People want all the information, but that shoots you in the foot because you end up with a lot of information and you're overwhelmed and you don't know how to live it. And the magic of human design is in living a few pieces of it and the rest will just come. So, I mean, most people only need a foundation reading, um, to have all the pieces and then there's the life work reading and then I've sort of combined the, the naturopathic side of it and the human design in a, I do a mentorship which is where it's three months together and we're working on physical mental emotional energetic life's work all at the same time because you've got your energy body affecting your physical body and then once your physical body is ill then you've probably got some physical support that needs to happen so coming at it both from the energetic and physical side has been really fun And then I just launched a mini program, which is like, again, like, because the magic of human design is being able to use a few pieces, it's like, here's a free program. If you just did this and applied it, these two central pieces of information in your chart, you understood it well enough to use it today, your life would change. And so it's not, it's not a program about reading your whole chart or understanding it. It's like, what are the main tools? Go and see Mm -hmm. how you're changes. 
Yeah. I love that you're saying that once you get those main pieces in place, things will start to be drawn towards you or fall away that are not in alignment. What Especially your- generators. Cause we're like, we learn to live with our brain. We learned like, I'm going to have an idea and run after it. I'm going to create my life out of my brain. (laughs) I'm in control. Yeah. Anytime a generator tries, that is when we're shooting ourselves in the foot. So the more you try, the more you screw yourself. A generator could literally, if you were in alignment and making decisions with you, you could sit on your couch and your thing would come to you. That's how we're designed. So crazy. We like jump off the couch and we're out in the field trying to find the thing. And then we're not available. (laughs) <laughs> right, right. Oh, that's I'm one of the most challenging pieces for me is just stopping the initiating of things. So <laughs> it's also was- very relieving though. And you have a completely open top. Your crown, ajna, and throat are all open. Mm-hmm. And like there's nothing uh, of use to you from here up. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So do I just ignore this? I just let this. Yes. Yeah. Well, you have to know that there's pressure in those centers. There's the pressure to figure it out. There's the pressure to be certain. There's the pressure to know how there's the pressure to have an idea and run with it. You just have to know that none of those are yours. None of those are reasons that you would act on something. Um, And the getting up in the churning in the head where it feels really crunchy and it's like, I can't figure this out. Why? And if that's causing frustration, it's literally like, Oh yeah, my answers are below here. So this is not helpful to me and just pulling the plug on that energy drain. And over time you are, that's what deconditioning is. You stop that um, knee jerk of like jumping up in your head and looking for an answer. Cause there's literally no answers that are helpful to you. Your brain uh, continually drive you in a ditch. <laughs> Lisa, where can we learn more about you and how can we get in contact? Um, my website is uh, Dr. Um, and then same on Instagram, Dr. Lisa Lavoy. Instagram, those are the best places that I hang. Wonderful. And if someone wants to find their human design chart, what's mm-hmm. your go-to website for that? Um, in the mini course, it does walk you through that. But there's um, there's three main ones right now. Most people are either using Bodygraph or Genetic Matrix or uh, MyHumanDesign.com. And myhumandesign.com, that's the one that I use because they just redid, there's one software that everybody uses, but my human design took the software and made a lot of corrections and updates. So it's the most accurate chart at the moment. And they also include like some of the, um, the my body graph um, chart that doesn't include your digestion or environment or anything like that. And you do get those extra pieces of information on myhumandesign.com. Love it. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks again for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a like, a follow, a subscribe, or leave us a five-star review or all of the above. If you want to get in touch, I'd love to hear from you. Find me over at healing underscore corner on Instagram. See you next time.